0: You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on a sermon series that will take us through the Gospel of John, entitled Learning Jesus. John the Baptist was a great man, not the author of the Gospel of John, that's John the disciple, but John the Baptist gave his life to pave the way for Messiah. And as Neil talked about him so well last week, he just gave this beautiful picture of a man that knew exactly what he was called to do and wasn't afraid to sacrifice everything to do it. And this morning, we're going to go through and continue in the first chapter of John, and I hope that we can adopt that same attitude of giving everything to Christ. Now, in this first chapter... John was still paving the way for Messiah, John the Baptist, or John, the disciple says this, and this is the testimony of John, John the Baptist, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That was clear. He wanted everybody to know that he was not the one. He was paving the way for the one. And then in John 1, 21-23, he quotes Isaiah. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. I'm the one crying out. I'm the one saying, Jesus is coming. Messiah is coming. And then in 24 through 28, he made it clear that there was a greater one still to come. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And this is the location that we're going to focus on this morning because it is at this location that something amazing happened. It is here that we see the pinnacle of the ministry of John the Baptist because he was about to introduce Messiah to the world, and it literally changed the world. Jesus came and infused hope and life and salvation, and in this introduction that changed the world, we can find hope that our lives can change, that we can be raised from the dead inside. Some of us are dying inside. Jesus can raise you back to life. Jesus can help you change the world. Jesus can give you a new kind of power, hope, and purpose, all because of the introduction that we're going to look at today that changed the world. So take your Bibles, if you would, and please open to the book of John. We're going to start in verse 29 today and then work our way back through chapter 1. So verse 29, page 886, if you want to use that Bible in the seat back in front of you, and you can also use the Ridgewood app, which is really helpful. When Neil was preaching Last week it really was great. I loved using that. You just go to media and then just tap study notes and work your way through to today's date. So the truth of this introduction should motivate all of us to proclaim the news of Jesus. To proclaim the news that Jesus had come to change the world. It's startling, it's beautiful, and these words are literally life-changing. Here's verse 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him. This is John the Baptist, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's an announcement that everything was going to change. That's an announcement of hope. That's an announcement of life And earlier in this chapter, and we're in this section we call origins, because we're talking about the origin of the universe, the origin of Jesus' ministry, the incarnation. In verses 1 through 5, John had talked about Jesus as being the word that was with God and was God. He talked about Jesus as the creator of all things. And now John has announced that Jesus had come. The creator had come into his creation to change our lives. And so John the author was so intent on helping us to understand what this means to us. But the question then comes, why is Jesus so special? What did he do that was going to change the course of history? Well, John explains that, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So the first thing that John will tell us this morning is that the true light of Jesus changed the world. Jesus came as the true light. Look at verse 9 with me. This truth is so such good news for the world. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming in to the world. John informed his readers that creator was coming. Yahweh, the God of Israel, was coming as the true light. Now, the word here for true is alethinos, which means real or genuine. The genuine article is coming into the world. Jesus is the real thing. He gives light to everyone. That's not universalism. Here's what John is saying. That his light of truth shines over every man, woman, and child. It shines over the one who has rejected the gospel and the condemnation of sin. And it shines over the believer that has received the gift of eternal life. Jesus is truth. The light of Jesus had come. Without Jesus, we would have no truth. There would be no foundation for truth. We as believers love the idea of objective truth because we believe the Bible is truth, but without Christ there is no absolute truth. The light of the world had come. Without Jesus there would be no way for us to climb out of the dungeon of sin and see our way to salvation because the light of truth is salvation through faith in Him, Jesus is the light of truth. That's an amazing gift. No wonder everything changed. And so John is helping us understand that as the creator crashed into the world, that he brought truth with him. But now John continues. And not only is John in this book, recounting Jesus doing amazing miracles and raising people from the dead, John was also enamored with the fact that Jesus could raise dead souls back to life. And so what John will tell us now is that the power of the Lord's spiritual regeneration changed the world. He's the only one with the power to actually regenerate a soul. If you look at verses 10 through 13, we see this clearly. To those that believe in and follow Jesus, comes a brand new life. Look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Now, verse 13 is a little bit confusing, and I'll unpack that in a minute, but suffice to say that the incarnation of uh, the entrance into the world of the God-man changed everything and now provided the opportunity for the spiritually dead to be brought back to life. And that's an amazing thing. Because now we have the Creator in the world, back in one three. John made it clear that nothing was made that has been made without the Lord's creative power. But sadly, his own creation rejected him. They turned on him. They didn't want him. Here he comes with this life-saving, regenerative power. And we said, we don't need you. Rejected by his own people. But he pursued the mission. He didn't give up. And as we move through the Gospel of John, we'll see Jesus carry that cross. And we'll see him give himself for us. Now, if you look at the language here in verse 11, his own people is likely Israel. He is the king of Israel. Jesus is Jewish. If there's ever any question that racism is not biblical, just remember that we serve A dark-skinned Jewish man. Jesus is Jewish. But his own people rejected him. And if we left it there, it would be such a bleak picture. It would be like a movie where it's the winter of the script and the protagonist is all messed up and there's no hope. And then the film cuts off. And we're left hanging. Rejected by his own people. But in verse 12, we see life. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The right to become children of God. What a gift. People aren't naturally born to be children of God. Our sin has cut us off from that privilege. But Jesus came To reconcile us. And that brings us to verse 13. Here's what it means it reads this way, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Here's what John is saying Our new birth in Christ does not come by natural descent, by blood. Just because your parents are Christians doesn't mean you're going to be a Christian. Just because, in this context, these Jews, were sons of Abraham, it doesn't mean that they're believers. That's not how salvation comes. By blood. Nor is it the result of human decision. That's the will of the flesh. You can't will yourself to be saved. There has to be a divine interaction with you or the will of any man. It is the work of God in salvation that saves you. That's what John is saying here. And so we know that Jesus can regenerate a dead soul. So this is truth. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life and be the controller of your life? Have you ever said, I want to be saved. I don't want to live alone anymore then at that moment, He can breathe spiritual life into you. You will no longer be dead, no longer condemned for your sin. But the Bible is very clear. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death and that all have sinned. And so if you're not willing to do that, then you will be condemned in your sin. And that means eternity apart from God in conscious torment. That's a high price to pay. For not giving yourself to Jesus. He is the only one that can breathe life into a dead spirit. Now, maybe you're a believer. Then I'm going to ask you this question What are you going to do to go into the harvest field? And are you going to be in the harvest field working to bring people to this deep knowledge of who Jesus is by making friends of non believers? By seeking out the power of the Holy Spirit. So when the when, when time is right, you're ready. Because you're aware of, of your surroundings. My son Joshua is old enough now to play traveling baseball. So this summer will be our first summer of traveling baseball, which will be great for Joshua. Not so sure it's going to be that great for us. But here's what I've already noticed, and and we we haven't even had our first practice yet, is that already through this planning of trips, I'm already starting to make friends with non believers, and I'm already starting to see openings of common interests. And so I know what's going to happen. We'll be sitting around for hours at these baseball fields just talking, and there'll be openings there that we'll be just walking through because the Holy Spirit will provide. My only responsibility is to be ready. And so are you willing to do that? Are you willing to join us here at Ridgewood? We're trying to go into our community, and I, I'm really hoping you can come tonight because I've got some really exciting news to share about how we're going to be affecting our community Because we believe that when Jesus said the harvest fields are ripe but there are no workers, that it's our job as a local church to spin off workers into the field by developing leaders and and planting churches and so forth, but we also need to go into our community. So what are you going to do about this? And then finally, are you willing to pray for workers? Jesus said, pray that workers go into the field. Are you willing to pray and do that? It's, it's such an important question. Because even if you are a believer, you, you have to understand that if, if we don't declare the good news, that the world will not hear about life. About what Jesus did for us and who he is. So we need to know Jesus. We need to know this one that takes away the sin of the world. He came as a genuine light. He came to make us spiritually alive. He came to change the world. And now in 14 through 18, there's more evidence here that Jesus can change you and change the world. And he did it by becoming the God-man. Not an appearance of a man, not representing a man, but fully human and fully God. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory... No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So here's the point that he's making in this section. On the River Jordan that day, when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, he knew that the incarnation of Jesus changed the world. That incarnation of that combination of God and man is what triggered the redemptive story here on earth. And it's really important. This would have been absolutely shocking to John's readers because they knew who Yahweh was. They they revered Yahweh. They had just read early in this book that the Word was with God and the Word was God. Jesus, the self-expression of God. And now here He is, totally human, but without sin. He's with us, dwelling among us. Literally translated, the word pitched his tabernacle, or lived in a tent among us. Yahweh was now personally dwelling along with his people. And then John makes a quick line to God's glory in verse 16. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Who have received grace from? the Father through the Son. And then in verse 17, grace and truth came through Christ. We the church are blessed day after day after day because of the grace of God through Jesus. And then finally in verse 18 is this incredible idea of Jesus revealing God to us fully. No one has ever seen God but through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is this earth-shattering revelation of who God is. That's why we talked about learning Jesus, because when we learn Jesus, we learn God. This is literally the Father is exegeted through His Son. Exegesis, we talk about it in, when we talk, or preach Scripture. It just means taking the truth of the passage, putting it in context, and bringing it out and understanding it. Jesus is that for God. He helps us understand God. And that's an incredible gift. And so John is likely ending this section, this prologue of his gospel by returning to the truth that he stated way back in verse 1, the Word is God. A statement about the deity of Christ. Do you see how Jesus comes and changes the Word? Because now, he has always been with the Father, now he's With us, and this is so rich, Jesus has entered our world. And because Jesus is fully God, this changes everything for the believers. For for us, we, we don't have to live in fear anymore. Because Jesus is fully God, we can trust Jesus with our lives. We don't have to fret and moan and complain you watch the news this week at all, you want to fret, moan, and complain. I watched about 10 minutes of what was going on in Washington, D.C. I fretted, I moaned, and complained. I said, who are these people? What are they doing there? Then I remembered, Jesus is fully God. He's got this thing under control. We can trust our future to Jesus. We don't have to always be wondering, what am I going to do next? How's God going to take care of me? What's he going to do with my kids? No. He's fully God. Here's another truth that I think is so important for us. Because Jesus is fully God, he loves us unconditionally. Unconditional love. That's a hard concept to understand. Because there are days when I go to bed at night and I go, I'm the worst parent ever. I had a terrible night with my kids. I'm, I'm a terrible husband. Why did you give me to Wendy? And then the next morning, pull up my Bible, come down to pray, and I just hear that voice again. It's okay. You're loved. Today's a new day. Just ask for forgiveness and move on because I love you. And all through that, those, those set of circumstances where things seemed chaotic in our house and love never went away. You're unconditionally loved because Jesus is fully God. And so we can live a life of gratitude. We can live a life of gratitude. The incarnation put all of this in motion. That's the beautiful thing about what's happening here and what John is bringing out in this text. The incarnation changed the world. Jesus came into our world, was the life giver, and he would... Change the world because he is the Son of God. Look at 30 and 34, 30 through 34. Now a new aspect of Jesus emerges. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that Jesus is the Son of God. So it's affirmed. Who is Messiah? He's the Son of God. And so this aspect of Jesus, I mean, this is life-changing. Jesus is the Son of God. He is who he claims to be. John didn't understand fully this revelation. So God said to him, when that spirit is manifested and comes upon Jesus, you will know that he's the one. You will know that he is the son of God. And the one who 50 days after his ascension would then usher in this spirit new age the church age after pentecost and we would be baptized in the holy spirit jesus could live in us through the holy spirit so there's transformative significance here because jesus has brought clarity and he's given conviction and here's the thing now john the baptist john the disciple could look at jesus and definitively say that's the son of god because god made it so abundantly clear and so we never have to doubt the identity of Jesus. And so no wonder John the Baptist introduced him this way. We have seen the essential nature of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And now we're all the way back here in verse 29. And John the Baptist is pointing at Jesus and saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin Of the world. Has there ever been more hopeful words spoken? Who takes away the sin of the world? Man, I have sinned greatly in my life. And those words bring me hope and comfort. Messiah was here and and, and he brought a mission with him. His messianic mission changed the world. And, And the mission is clear by the way John introduced him. The mission is clear in the sense that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So here John the Baptist is painting Jesus as the the sacrificial lamb that would die on the cross. And through belief in him, we could be cleansed of all that sin and that block that keeps us from God so we could be with God and be reconciled to God. And so... How does this apply to you? How is this going to change your life when you walk out of here today and you go home and you make sure your snowblower is running well and you're getting shovels out and for the first time you're thinking, I better actually dress for the weather and you go to school and work. How is this going to change you? I'll just give you a couple things that I hope will help you walk with Jesus and change the world and have your life changed in the process. The first thing I would say is this. I would say follow The light. It sounds simple. It's not easy. Why do I say follow the light? It's because Jesus is the only genuine source of light that exists. Don't settle for less. We always want to settle for less because there are so many idols that are out there just vying for our attention. There's money, there's popularity, there's prestige. There's sex. There's politics. There's this non-committal consumer Christianity that calls us away from the heart of the gospel into what is church going to do for me? That's an idol. We are called to be disciples. So follow the light and don't lose this chance to make your life count. I don't know if you have 40 years left, 30 years, or one year. Your life can matter immensely, but you need to follow the light. Here's the second thing I would commend to you, and that is this. Allow Jesus to raise you from the dead. Allow Jesus to raise you from the dead. Some of us have been believers a long time, but we're dead inside. Like, we're we're praying, and it feels like we're, we're in this desert, or we're bitter, or we've become hardened through non-forgiveness, and we just aren't in a good place. Let Jesus reinvigorate your spirit. Here's the thing that only Jesus can do. Counselors can't do it. Other religions can't do it. He doesn't just put a band-aid on your heart or change the way you think. He regenerates you, different, new. Only Jesus can do that. And I love this passage in Ephesians where Paul calls us out, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus is calling you to come out of that death that's inside of you, come out of your darkness, confess your sins, allow Jesus to cleanse you. And if you're still a cynic, then now's the time to get your life right with God because you may not have tomorrow. So in order to change the world and have your own life changed, I want you to follow the light, move from death to life, and then finally lean into the mission that the Lord has come to do. Lean into the Lord's mission. Jesus came to change the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and we are called to go on mission with him. So lean into it. Get busy. Stop standing on the sidelines. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? There's people that need to hear about Jesus. People are dying. And someone needs to tell them. You have Christian friends. You have Christian places to go. You have clubs. You have Bible studies. You're all set. What about others that don't have any idea what you're talking about? Those are the people we are to go out and preach to. Through our lives and through words. Jesus is so important. You know, when he came crashing into our world from his place in, at the right hand of the Father, he brought with him salvation. He brought hope. He brought a new life. But what I want you to do this morning is allow God to change you as well. and To be encouraged that he is changing you. So will you just take a moment and, and just bow your head and pray and ask God, you know, what do you want me to do? Who can I tell? And, and, and then to, to give you encouragement, Lord, I've been dragging this around with me. Will you please take this away? Can I give this to you? Will you forgive me for what I've done? and Help me to understand what that feels like and looks like. Just pray for a, a couple of minutes and then I'll close in prayer. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast.